I'm John Cottrell with T3 Ranch in Rosenberg, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Kerry Martin. Hello, Texas. I know it is hot out there, but that's not slowing us down. we got another episode of Texas Ag Today ready to go for you. So jump on in with me. I've got the AC running. Buckle up and let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Texas is losing farmland faster than any other state. So preserving our wide open spaces should be a top priority. That's the goal of the Texas Agricultural Land Trust. We'll have an update on their fundraising efforts coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. For Texas High Plains farmers looking to market corn, there's still a lot that can happen to prices before the season's over. But one top grains analyst says there could be opportunities on the cash side. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Yields are down on the first crop of rice this season. But the prospects for a second crop this fall along the Texas coast are not promising at all. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have the reasons why this is the case on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The Texas Agricultural Land Trust has launched a public phase of a $10 million fundraising campaign to fully endow the Forever Texas Fund. Talk CEO Chad Ellis. You know, in the, the past 15 years at uh, Texas Ag Land Trust, you know, we've become the largest homegrown land trust in the state. Um, and, and, you know, one of the largest amongst the country. And this gala and this campaign uh, that we just had was really a tribute to all the success and honoring individuals who helped uh, grow the organization and 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 it helps us to fund the Forever Texas Fund. A recent fundraising event raised half a million dollars for the fund. The Texas Agricultural Land Trust conserves the wide open spaces of Texas, most notably by partnering with landowners to develop conservation easements that protect agricultural working lands into perpetuity. Ella says the Forever Texas Fund is set up to ensure that continues. Carrie, what's important about the the Forever Texas Fund, it's really a critical piece for for TALS long-term sustainability. So this fund supports our endowment, um, helping us to protect 
the organization that has been trusted to carry our landowners wishes of holding those easements and uh you know it's it's true pleasure um to be able to help and partner with our land stewards across the state ellis says texas is losing agricultural land faster than any other state in the nation which makes talts work all the more critical Agriculture will get an additional $18 billion for conservation funding in the Deficit Reduction Act passed by the Senate over the weekend. The bill would fund four Farm Bill conservation programs and add additional funding for USDA-run energy and forestry programs. The bill also scraps a controversial farm debt relief program designed to pay off farm debt for black farmers. Texas Agriculture Commissioner Sid Miller filed one of many lawsuits against that program, and several judges agreed that basing loan forgiveness on a farmer's race was unconstitutional. This new proposal replaces that with a program for so-called distressed USDA borrowers, as well as farmers the department has discriminated against. $3.1 billion is earmarked for distressed farmers, with another $2.2 billion provided for payments of up to $500,000 each for farmers who experienced discrimination prior to January 1st of 2020. The Deficit Reduction Act now heads to the House, where it is expected to pass. For Texas High Plains farmers looking to market their corn, there's still a lot that can happen to prices before the season is over. But James Hunt tells us there may be opportunities on the cash side. Corn futures prices have dropped significantly in recent weeks, but Texas A&M grain marketing economist Mark Welch says for farmers strategizing on how to get their corn sold, the cash market is something to look into. One thing we're seeing, particularly across Texas, is a very strong basis level for grain this summer. Now, whether that applies to your fall harvest crop, talk to your grain merchandiser, uh, to your elevator manager, and see what the potential and possibilities are for that. But uh, again, typically here in the Texas Panhandle, we have a very strong price relative to what's quoted on the Chicago Board of Trade. So again, even though the future prices come down considerably, what's that doing to your local cash price? Do the prices at this level still work? We're getting to the end of the season. We've got a much better handle on what our yield production totals are going to be. You know, what can we do to still take advantage of that? And Dr. Welch says when it comes to the price situation overall, there's still time for a rebound. The corn crop's not done. We will get some important yield estimate information, particularly for the U.S. crop, over the next several weeks. It's been very hot in many areas of the Corn Belt, and so we'll be trying to get some estimates of what that might do to the U.S. national average yield. Uh, supplies around the world are tight. Again, it's a year we need every bushel and we need every acre. And so concerns around the yield potential can still bring us, I think, some, some price opportunities and, and so volatility ahead. When it comes to the yield estimates Dr. Welch mentioned, the latest updates will come Friday when USDA issues the monthly supply and demand and crop production reports. And beyond our production in the U.S., Corn prices are also likely to be influenced by the outcome of Brazil's crop and how well things go in the effort to ship grain out of Ukraine. A lot of factors in play in the weeks ahead. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Prospects for second crop rice on the Texas Gulf Coast do not look promising this year. Tom Nicoletti talks with a rice farmer in that area about the possibility of getting that ratoon crop this year. 
As Texas Gulf Coast farmers are harvesting their first crop of rice, the yields are being impacted by the hot summer temperatures and the drought. Here is Wharton County producer Tim Gertson. So what we are hoping for yield-wise this year would be about a 9,000 pound per acre first crop. That would be a dry yield. We're seeing probably something more in the range of 8,000 to 8,500 pounds right now. Now, if we continue into harvest, we may see that pick up. We still have some of our best fields left to cut. Hopefully, we'll get that yield bump up back to 9,000 or higher. Now, here is where we have had a major impact. So rice farmers on the Texas Gulf Coast rely significantly on what we call our ratoon crop, which is when the rice grows back. Same plant grows back from the base of the plant after our first crop, and we get to harvest it again in late October into November. And we have to water the crop up again for that to happen. And a lot of our water comes from the Colorado River through the Lower Colorado River Authority. It's surface water we use from Lake Travis and Lake Buchanan. And we were notified on July 1st of this year that because of the severity of the ongoing drought, there would be no water available for second crop. So all of our acres that we would normally second crop with surface water, we will not be able to second crop at all this year. So on my farm, I'm about half and half. So I've got about 800 acres on an irrigation well that will get second crop and 800 acres on surface water that won't get second crop. So second crop is usually where most of our profits made. So it was really disheartening to find out that we would not get water. But at the same time, I also understand that this drought's impacting everyone and, and it's definitely significant. Those comments from Tim Gertson, a rice farmer on the Texas coast. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. White-winged doves are expanding their territory. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And giving CBD products to horses can be a risky venture. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas youth can expect the best in life by holding themselves to the highest standards. And the Texas Farm Bureau can help students put together the pieces that make up a successful leader. Through our Student Success Series, students in 8th through 12th grade can learn more about leadership, networking, and personal professionalism. Registration for Student Success Series is open now. Find out more information at texasfarmbureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Giving CBD products to horses can be a bit risky. Dr. Bob Judd says there's still a lot we don't know about the effects of CBD in horses. If you're giving your horse CBD oil, you should know CBD is not classified as a drug, so there is no oversight and testing from the Food and Drug Administration, except for one human product approved for seizures. Because of this, a CBD product you purchase may or may not contain the amount of CBD that is listed on the label. There are cannabidiol receptors in the horse, in the nervous system, and immune system, and these can regulate inflammation. 
One study used CBD formulated in lecithin oil, and CBD was found in blood, urine, and joints after administration. The drug was given with food twice a day at two different dosages for all horses, and all horses appeared normal during the trial period, with no sedation being noted. It was noted that horses had a lower plasma concentration than dogs and humans, and this may be due to the fact that horses are hindgut fermenters and have a different type gastrointestinal tract than dogs or humans. Because of this, it is likely that CBD should be dosed twice a day in horses versus once a day in humans and dogs. Current United States Equine Federation rules ban the use of CBD, and the Federation Equestria Internationale lists CBD and CBDA as controlled substances. All horses administered the low dosage in the study had no detectable plasma levels of CBD after 48 hours, except one horse, but this horse had detectable levels after 96 hours. And this is important if you are showing your horse in these competitions. The study did indicate no abnormal effects in horses up to six weeks. But this is a small, very short period of study to determine the drug cannot have long-term consequences. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. White-winged doves are expanding their territory. Jessica Domel has more in today's Wildlife Report. White-winged doves continue to move beyond their traditional territory. Owen Fitzsimmons, webless migratory game bird program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, joins us with more. White wings have expanded out of their historic range in the Rio Grande Valley over the past 30 or 40 years, and they've continued to expand north and east and west across the U.S. I was actually in northern Washington on the San, one of the San Juan Islands last July, almost a year ago, and I actually saw a white wing all the way up there. So um, they're definitely expanding. I think they're breeding as far north as Nebraska now. What that means for our hunters is it's just more opportunity for those white wings. I don't think we're seeing much displacement as far as white wings pushing morning doves out because most of these birds outside of their historic range are, are urban or suburban birds. So most of the time you're going to catch your white wings coming out of the cities and hitting those ag fields and then returning to the cities to roost. So they're occupying a little bit different habitat and I think it's just more opportunity for our hunters. Eurasian collar doves, which are invasive, are also expanding rapidly across the United States. Well, you see a lot of individual competition where the, the bigger white wings and the even bigger collar doves will kind of bully the smaller morning doves around at certain feeding sites or maybe at a, at a nest site. But overall, we don't think there's any major population implications. Fitzsimmons says that white winged dove numbers have grown over the past seven or eight years and appear to have leveled off in Texas. Morning doves have declined nationally for decades, but we aren't seeing major declines in Texas. Dove hunting season in the north and central zones opens on September 1st. In the south zone, opening day is September 14th. Full season dates are available at OutdoorAnnual.com. Be sure to click on the link that says 2022-2023 hunting season dates. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market closed lower on Tuesday, giving back all of Monday's gains. We'll take a closer look at all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Hi, everybody. This is Kerry Martin with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You know, every day on the radio, I have to report on how awful everything is in Texas agriculture right now. 
the heat, the drought, the markets. I just can't imagine how this is making you feel as a Texas farmer or rancher. Well, if it's getting to you, I want to ask you to give some friends of mine a call. It's called the Texas Agri-Stress Helpline. Here's the number, 833-897-2474, 833-897-2474. Farmers and ranchers are some of the toughest people on earth, but hey, we all need help sometimes. If you just need somebody to talk to in these tough times, Give them a call, 833-897-2474, or if you can't write it down, go to farmlifehelp.com. Do me a favor, don't wait, call them today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Sometimes a turnaround Tuesday is good, and sometimes it's not. Well, it was not for the cattle market If you remember Monday, we had a really nice run-up in cattle prices. However, we gave all that back and then some in Tuesday's cattle trade. Both live and feeder cattle ending in the red Tuesday. August live cattle down 37 at 137.97. The October down $1.05, 143.17. December live cattle down 80 cents, 149.65. August feeder cattle dropped 247, 178.80. September feeders down 3 15 at 182.50. October feeder cattle down 212 at 185.57. Cash fed cattle trade all quiet on Tuesday. Feedlots here in the south asking 138 to 140. No asking prices reported out of the north so far this week. Boxed beef prices mixed on Tuesday. Choice down 60 cents at 265.64. Select was up 88, 239.74. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. Let's get started with uh, old auctioneer Troy selling that calf. While he sells him, let's talk to Jody Fry and see how calves and cattle sold in Angelo on Thursday, Jody. Bigger numbers today, almost 1,700 uh, compared to about 1,500 last week. Better quality steers, four to 600 pounds from 140 up to a high of near 195, mostly 155 to 180. Better quality heifers, four to 600 pounds, 125 up to a high of 165, mostly 135 to 155. Slaughter cows averaged a high yielding from 60 to 74. Had several of the highest yielding slaughter cows from 76 to a high of of 86 thinner or lower yielding type cows 35 to 57 slaughter bulls 77 to 93 several of the highest yielding slaughter bulls from 95 all the way up to a high of 113 red cows and two-year-olds a few small groups uh, medium to heavy bred young cows from 800 to 1175 cow calf pairs baby tooth to good solid mouth a few of those as well from 800 to a high of 1225 how do you feel about next week's sale Oh, uh, sheep and goat sale, uh, it's hanging right around that 7,000 head mark. So I look for that many or more 
nothing's changed. Uh, pretty good market on the you know the better quality uh, stock that we've got. Looks like these cattle numbers going to continue somewhere in the range of fourteen to sixteen hundred head. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Jody Fry. You bet. The office number is three two five six five three 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 seven one. My mobile phone's two three four seven eight nine five. We appreciate it and talk to you next week. Sounds good, Larry. And neighbor, I'll talk to you tomorrow. I'm Larry Marble. This has been Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. See you then. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished mixed on Tuesday. August hogs up 40 cents at 122.20. October hogs down 70, 99.60. Class 3 milk was higher. August milk up 14 cents, 2009 100 weight. September milk up 50 cents at 1990 100. It looks like cotton traders are finally getting the message that we have an absolutely horrible cotton crop here in Texas. It seems like no one's really paid much attention to that all summer long. Well, yeah, they've talked about it, but you haven't seen it reflected in the market. Well, we're knocking on dollar cotton again on the December contract, and you can thank those weekly cotton crop ratings that come out each week. Monday's ratings show 31% of the nation's cotton crop rated good to excellent. Normally, we're looking at about 50% in that category. And speaking of 50%, nearly 50% of the Texas cotton crop is now rated poor to very poor. So traders finally taking note of that and putting that premium back into the market. Big shot in the arm on cotton prices on Tuesday. October cotton jumped 296 points, 104.54. And that December contract, now near a dollar again, up 348 points, 99.07. Corn market seeing the same kind of thing, just not quite so drastic of a move. Corn crop condition ratings dropping 3% this week in the good to excellent category. So that helped to put a few pennies on the corn market. September corn up 7 cents, 6.15 and a half. December corn up 6 and 3 quarters at 6.14 a bushel. The wheat market was mixed with hard wheat finishing mostly higher. Soft wheat closing mixed. Nearby September contract, Kansas City wheat up 4 cents. 851 and three quarters. New crop July up three quarters at 858 and a half. September Chicago wheat up one and three quarters, 781 and a half. While July Chicago wheat was down two cents, 828 a bushel. In the energy markets, September natural gas up 24 cents Tuesday at 783. September crude oil up a nickel, 9081 a barrel. The financial markets lower Tuesday afternoon. The Dow down 50 points at 32,782. The Nasdaq down 143 points, 12,500. The S&P down 16 at 4,123. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. 
For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.